Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cricket and the King podcast, the podcast where Jesus is the answer to everything and we are constantly expanding on that point. I'm your host Ben and today we're going to be trying something different, kind of a new format. I know this podcast hasn't been up for very long but uh, I'm still experimenting and learning and growing and trying new things out on here. So today I figured we would uh, start a new kind of thing. Uh, I want to go through one of the books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, and kind of speak out my inner monologue as I read it. Um, And we're going to start in my one of my favorite books of the Bible. There's so many great things that the Bible has to say, but one of my favorite books of the Bible is James, because it is the most practical advice you could possibly get. It's just everything that that he says in James is just a straight shot at truth. So, without further ado, let's get after it. So it starts by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's perfect. He's not he's not uh, busy doing other, other stuff. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Call back to his uh, Jewish heritage. You know, the twelve tribes, the twelve sons of um, Israel. Okay, greetings, trials and temptations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> I always, I always laugh at this point. I find it so encouraging um, because it says that we are to consider it our joy when we face hard times. And I know for me personally, when I face hard times, I'm like bummed out. I'm like, this rots. But it says that we're to consider it joy when we face trials of many kinds. Because we know that the testing, sorry, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So it's actually interesting because perseverance through trials is what produces maturity. I know I've uh, crumbled in the face of quite a few trials that I've faced in my short, uh, thus far, walk with God. But but uh, to persevere through those trials actually produces um, fruit and it produces maturity in the believer. So our trials actually lead us into maturity and we consider it joy to walk through those hard things. Not that it's like fun, like in the sense like you're on a roller coaster and you're like, wee, but it is is good for our faith and we can understand that what we're going through, you know, he promises the trouble, but we can understand that it's it's actually uh, building character in us and part of our walk. So, um, so we already said the mature and complete, not lacking of anything, not lacking anything. Sorry. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should g- ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So, ah, oh man, I love this. I've, I've been asking for wisdom from God since I was a little kid. I always would say, uh, make me just a little lower than Solomon, you know, because nobody can ever be as smart as him again because God said he would be the wisest man to walk the entire earth. But I was like, just put me just a smidgen below there because that's what I want. And God's actually really blessed me with uh, insight into uh, a lot of different things. Um, and and he continues to increase my understanding. And it's it's pretty fantastic because I've watched the fruit of that prayer, even if I didn't fully understand praying it, I've seen him bless me with wisdom and understanding into things that, um, you know, I, I wasn't taught by anybody except for the Holy Spirit, which is really fantastic. Even practical stuff like, 
taxes and certain forms I had to fill out for the government and stuff. It's really fun walking with Jesus. So anyway, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So uh, that's uh, he. basically what he's saying is you actually have to have faith when you ask. You know, it's not like you can't ask like, te- like trying if it works. You have to ask with expectation that God's going to pull through on his end. Uh, because if you ask seeing if it's going to work, that's not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So anyway, then it jumps. This is part of why I love James, because it's just short snippets on tiny things, and it just jumps to all topics. So there's like, it's like he's like trying to cover as much content possible in the previous period of time in the most concise way possible. So anyway, it jumps over to this, this uh, next uh, verse. It starts in verse 9 here. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. You know, I don't really know how to interpret this. I don't think God is against wealth. I have um, grandparents who are wealthy and and are believers in a uh, money certainly doesn't have their hearts, but but I think that when we you know when we don't have worldly worldly wealth, sometimes we can uh, associate that with our value. But we're actually sons of the king. We're daughters of the king. Um, you know, I'm I'm a son of the king. And girls listening to this podcast are daughters of the king. But uh, we we no matter what our financial position, we actually have high place with Jesus. And if we're rich in this world, we're called to be humble. Uh, humiliation, I don't know if that's the right word, like to grovel kind of in the way we associate humiliation, but like humiliation is to be humbled. So being humbled by, by Christ. Um, and we remember that if we're destined to live for eternity, and this is really just a short time, it kind of the material things of this world don't matter as much as we might think they do, uh, and and uh, they will pass away. You know, it, it, wealth comes and and goes. Uh, it says in Ecclesiastes that it's like a fleeting vapor. You know, one minute the money's here, and the next minute the money's gone. I know I've experienced that in my life. Seasons where it's just like full to overflowing, tons of money uh, coming in, and obviously we try to be responsible and have savings and blah blah blah. But but uh, and then there's times where it's like, oh, there's no money. God's gonna have to provide. Uh, and and in this, of course, I should caveat. Oh man, I'm going off on tangents, but this is fun. This I like doing this format. Anyway, um, but we need to be responsible and working hard and and doing our part in uh, honoring God with our work and and uh, doing all of the things that we can do that He's shown us to do. So then it jumps to twelve. Blessed is the one who who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the lord has promised to those who love him so again this is talking about trials again and it's so having stood the test like life is a test you know because we receive the crown of life uh, when we go into the by and by right so it's like blessed is the one who perseveres under trial it's like all of life is a trial because you get the crown when you're when you're passing on. I don't know. Maybe you get a crown in the spirit in this life, but but um, 
but no, that's just awesome. And then this is another, oh, jump, jump right into 13, and this is uh, fantastic. So it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. All right, so this is actually, this is interesting because I've experienced this in my own life. So I've, I've, um, you know, I, I've been born again for a little while here and, but I'll have, you know, temptations and then say I give in to that temptation and it, you know, it leads me down a path and then eventually I sin against God will, you know, willful sin against God. And then, and then you know, I, I don't want to ever stay in a place of sin and, and uh, forsaking my identity in Christ to the point where it leads to death and separation from God. But, but I know that I do repent and it comes back and he cleans me out of that and, and I can be back um, living in his righteousness. But we have to be careful not to say um, that God's doing something to tempt you. Uh, that can even be like people will say like God's giving them an affliction to teach them something. Like God's not like that. Uh, God's not tempting you. He's not tempted by evil and he doesn't tempt anyone. So he doesn't, he's not like, oh, I'm going to put you in this horribly, um, uh, what would it be, compromising situation to see if you really love me. That's not what God does. As says the devil's walking around like a roaring lion uh, or prowling lion. I, I can't remember what the context is, but but uh, looking for those who he may devour. So it's the devil that's doing all the tempting. And we need to not allow our desire to turn to sin. Uh, if a thought comes through your head, you know, you just, thank you, Jesus. You've cleaned me out of that. Uh, that's no longer who I am in you. I'm way more valuable than that. You you put your son on the cross for me, and I love you, Lord. Um, yeah, and this is something I'm learning and growing in my own life. So I'm not saying like, I've never sinned since I've been born again, but it's as if my standing with God is as if I've never sinned, which is amazing. It's really fantastic to be able to live that way without condemnation in my mind because uh, he he uh, he cleanses us of that. So anyway, just that's that's uh, how sin goes, and you can see that cycle of sin um, in in all non-born again people I guess and even sometimes when people are backslidden in the faith so anyway now on to verse 16 man it's taking a long time to get through one chapter but I guess we'll just go until we get through this chapter and then see if uh, see from the feedback if we like this format don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters every good and perfect gift is from above well isn't that reassuring every good and perfect gift so that means if it's good and it's perfect, it's from God. And it's not the devil giving you good, perfect gifts. <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny when people say that like, oh, the devil can do these amazing things. It's like, if you're loving God and you're going after God and your heart is truly for God, God protects us from that. And he's the one that gives us the gifts. It's really, really awesome. And it says, sorry, in the follow-up, uh, I'll just start back at 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change. His character doesn't change, like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Yeah, that give us birth, that's the being born again, uh, the changing of your mind and 
and heart, that washing of you. Oh man, I, I described in my story, of course, being born again, and it's it's something else. It's a very surreal, very spiritual experience. You know, he washed, washes you, and uh, it's really beautiful. So through the word of truth, and that's the Bible, but it also says, you know, Jesus is the word. Uh, he is truth. You know, he's the way, the truth, the life. It also says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the word. So the Bible is the written down, it's like written down Jesusness right there. Um, and we're the first fruits of all he created. So what he, when we get born again, we're back restored to our created value, what we were made to be in Christ. And we get to be, you know, these first representations that people can see us as an example and uh, be brought into the kingdom through that. Okay. And now we're in another segment, a segment with the title listening and doing so it's verse 19 of james chapter 1 for those of you who got lost in my monologue so 19 my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry oh man that verse that verse is <laughs> one i should probably tattoo on my forehead um i i actually you know it's funny i'm talking a lot because i am on a podcast right now but but everyone should be quick to listen. How hard is it to actively listen to people from a heart of love? You know, to really care, not just waiting for your turn to speak. Because I know I'm guilty of doing that sometimes. So quick to listen. Whenever somebody's speaking, you don't talk over them. You don't try to hear what's wrong. You just listen. Try to hear their heart. And then slow to speak, making sure that we're speaking from a heart of love. And if we're not, we're just doop, silent. And slow to become angry. And anger... You know, that's a, that's a classic. Uh, it's so easy to get ticked off about things. But uh, like we said, in this world, we all have trouble. And self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and there is such thing as righteous anger. But but the verse 20 explains this. Because human anger, not righteous anger from God, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if we're angry and bitter all the time, we're not going to be living in God's righteousness. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It doesn't have to save you. You can know the word and not follow the word and uh, it won't save you because you haven't done it. And that he talks about this in the second verse. This is why I love James. It's just so amazing. So uh, verse 22 of James chapter one, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Oh man, I just this this convicts my heart. Even as I read it, I've read this uh, pro. I want to say probably over a hundred times as not an exaggeration. I've read this so much. And, uh, and every time, you know, to, to continue in this and the perfect law that gives freedom, like all of Jesus's commands, all the things he tells us to do, they give us freedom. Even if we're nervous to do them, 
you know, like if we're nervous to tell the truth, if we told a lie, or if we're, we're nervous to pray for that person that the Holy Spirit told us to pray for, we do that and we find our freedom. We find our life in him and he loves us and we get to live in him. And, um, and so the law, like the, his, his law, the law of the spirit, um, you know, the law of life is, is not burdensome. It's actually, it frees us and it blesses us. It's, it's amazing. And it's hard, it's hard to see sometimes, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Like when you choose to follow God, and I'm not talking about being uh, self-righteous and like, uh, pious isn't the right word. Um, I, mm, hypocritical maybe is what I'm looking for, but, or, or religious, like when you're just like, oh, these are the rules that I follow, but your heart's not in it. You're not following it because it's who you are. Like, like I don't not look at porn because porn is a bad thing to do. I don't look at porn because God made me and he made those, those girls and the guys that are doing that to be way more precious than that. And that's a distortion of something that God made. And I don't associate myself with that. And I'm given the ministry of reconciliation and partaking of that would not be reconciling people back to God. That would be, um, that would be indulging the flesh and we're not to live by the flesh. We live by the spirit. So, um, that the when when it says no not even a hint of sexual immorality am, uh, among you it's not to restrain you know like oh i can't have any fun but it's actually um it's actually to free you and bring you into your identity as a minister of god's reconciliation and love for the world and so uh yeah that's i went off on a tangent but but anyway then we're on to 26 Oh, and this one, this convicts me too. And I run a podcast, so I talk a lot. So I should probably um, be better at this one. But it says, in James 1, 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress distress sorry and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world i just find that so fascinating our highest calling is to look after the disenfranchised so orphans and widows in that culture you know it's it's people that uh like widows um women didn't have high standing in the culture in those days and they couldn't get jobs and uh and so if you weren't married, like if your husband passed away, it was very hard for women to survive in that culture and children weren't valued in the way they are now. So um, to look after, it's saying to look after, you know, not only orphans and widows, but to look after any disenfranchised person, you know, to stand up. We're ambassadors of God's love, but also God's justice, not justice in the sense of dishing out judgment and punishment, but justice as in, as in um, bringing giving those uh, who don't have a chance or a voice their voice and their need and and we can provide food for people you know there's food banks and I love that I love those operations they're just so practical you know giving food to people that need it and uh, taking care of orphans I know um, my wife and I are trying to get involved in foster care and you know it's not for everyone I'm not saying like oh the only way you can follow Jesus is by being involved in foster care no that's not at all what I'm saying um, but but to take care of, uh, you know, 
to take care of widows and orphans like these children that don't have homes uh, or their parents aren't high functioning enough to take care of them. And we have an opportunity as Christians and believers to be a representation of God's love for the disenfranchised and and love them and and help them and bring them into a um, God's grace um, through our through our action towards them. I think that's really awesome. Um, so though, <laughs> sorry, I was talking about the last part of the verse, but the part I was going to go off on before was verse 26. So those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So, um, it's so interesting. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And, and this is a lesson I've been learning more and more as I walk with Jesus. The way we talk, even the way we talk in our own heads, it really affects the way we believe and how we experience things. You know, um, I'm not, I'm not one of those, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Blab it and grab it or, or, um, you know, uh, I can't, you know, prosperity, like where you just speak it out and it'll come into being. If you want a ham sandwich, just say, I want a ham sandwich and it shall appear in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm about. But but I just mean uh, having a tight rein on our tongues, you know, not speaking death over people, not saying like, oh, that person's so dumb or, oh, they're, they look really bad. They're going to die. That kind of thing, like just loving people and entrusting them to God and praying in the Holy Spirit instead of, you know, making a comment or a side quip because that's not how God thinks. Like, we want to have the mind of Christ. What would God say? What would God pray? What would Jesus, if you were walking on the earth and his mouth was your mouth, what would come out of that mouth, right? Thinking about that. And I talk a lot. I'm from a family of five, so um, it's almost mandatory that I talk a lot, or it was in my childhood, <laughs> to get a word in edgewise. My mom would argue that I talk too much, and and maybe some of you on the podcast would argue that I talk too much as well. But um, but keeping that rein on our tongues, you know, being careful with what we say. Um, even you know, uh, it says, "Let no coarse joking or foolish talk come out of your mouth." And and we can be funny, we can be humorous, but coarse joking, you know, like making sexual jokes, sexual innuendos, degrading people, um, that's stuff that that we shouldn't have in our mouths as Christians. And it's really hard culturally, especially if you you know, like before I got uh, born again again or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, you know, I would make jokes to fit in and, and I would consider myself a quick-witted and funny guy. Uh, and it didn't, you know, that doesn't value people. That doesn't build people up in the kingdom and in love. So anyway, that's uh, that's James chapter 1 with my spark notes thrown in there. Um, yeah, it, uh, I hope that this was helpful uh, and this was insightful. And next time, we're going to do James chapter 2 um, and go through that a little bit. But I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was helpful to you and uh, hope you come around next time. Have a great evening slash afternoon slash morning, and we will see you again next time. Thanks. Bye.